from the CSI Today News Desk at the College of Staten Island. Welcome to the CSI Today Talks Podcast with your hosts, David Pizzuto and Terry Manns. The CSI Today Talks Podcast is your connection to the College of Staten Island with the newsmakers that make it happen. From world-renowned faculty and staff, dynamic students, and community leaders, stay connected to CSI with CSI Today Talks. And now, here is your host, David Pizzuto. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to CSI Today Talks right here on CSIToday.com and from wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I am your co-host, David Pizzuto, welcoming you in to another episode here on uh, CSI Today Talks. This is Season 2, Episode 31, as we premiere our show on Monday, May 15th of 2023. It's been a while since I have been on our show. I credit that to taking a few weeks off in April for spring break and then, of course, spring allergies getting to me and really knocking me out for a few days. I am a little bit under the weather, so if I don't sound uh, like I should or like I normally do, I do apologize for that, but we are getting over some some sicknesses here, and uh, that's why this podcast is good the way we do it, which is usually over the phone. And over the phone today, we will have, in just a few moments, Michael Paris, professor and chairperson of the Legal Studies Institute at the College of Staten Island. He's also the pre-law advisor for the college. Recently had a great event on campus, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about that and a lot about his program and how we can assist and help the Legal Studies Institute at the College of Staten Island, which is, by the way, doing some really great things on this campus. Before we get to Michael, uh, some usual housekeeping items. If you haven't done so already, we please implore you to subscribe uh, to this podcast, no matter where you're listening to us, whether it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, CastBox, whatever way you tune in to us, we hope that you will subscribe. Uh, tells us that you are listening. And also, uh, if you could please subscribe to our website at csitoday.com. On the right-hand toolbar is our subscribe information, and when you do, you get access to our weekly newsletter, CSI Today This Week, which also gives you access to this podcast and our many archived broadcasts as well. Uh, Terry Mayers, our co-host, has taken you through the last couple of podcasts, has a great guest lined up next week as we reach the home stretch of our podcast here. We'll have about two or three more podcasts uh, for you. We'll have uh, one or two after commencement, which is on May 25th of this year. And then after that, we'll take the summer off and join you for season three in the fall of 2023. But until then, uh, we are set to bring you a few more episodes for this semester, and we've had a great time so far through 30 episodes, and now we get set for number 31. And as promised, joining us on the phone is Mr. Michael Paris for this week's episode. Uh, Professor Paris, the chairperson of the Legal Studies Institute at the College of Staten Island. He's also CSI's pre-law advisor. So, so Michael, thanks for Thanks so much for being on the show and, and talking to us a little bit about the Legal Studies Institute, the pre-law program at CSI. Before we talk about those things, I'd like to focus on you personally. Uh, I understand you've been with the college for over 15 years. Can you tell us a little bit about your professional travels and what ultimately brought you to the College of Staten Island? 
Oh my, well, I, I've had quite a career. Uh, uh, I have been at Staten Island since 2007 and, uh, I'm very happy about, about that. Um, I went to law school right out of college and I practiced anti-poverty law for about four years in New York city. And then I decided to go back for a PhD in political science. Um, took me a while to get that degree and I've, I've worked at various places. I, I was on the faculty at Rutgers, New Brunswick and mm -hmm. city college before coming to Staten Island. But, uh, I, I did eventually find a home and it's, it's a great home. It's a great place. And I really, really like the people I work with. I like the students. Um, we have challenges, but we, we band together to meet those challenges. As you know, you mm -hmm. know, you're a big sure. part of the team team here trying to, tell people that we're a real resource mm. for Staten Islanders and people nearby. So, yeah. Yeah. Terrific. And, you know, I had never heard Michael of, of anti-poverty law. Can you, can you explain that a, a little bit for those who might not know what that entails? Sure. Sure. Well, I, I graduated from law school in 1986 mm -hmm. and I took a job at an office. Uh, the name of the office was Harlem legal services. So mm -hmm. I worked in Harlem for four years and uh, Harlem was a different place in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, it was rough, and people were very uh, pressed to the wall, as it were, mm -hmm. uh, lacking shelter, food. Uh, so I did mostly landlord-tenant law, trying to mm -hmm. keep uh, people from being evicted from their homes, their, their apartments. Mm -hmm. And if, if they would be evicted, it would, there would be cascading consequences often. Their children would be taken away from them. Uh, could, could be a, an irrevocable downward spiral. So that was very hard work. I worked 75, 80 hours a week mm. at that job, and I'm grateful for that experience. But I, frankly, I just burned out. Sure. And uh, so this was an office that was funded by the federal government at the time. It was called the Legal Services Corporation. Uh, that program's no longer in existence. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, I just felt like it, I was doing in law what I wanted to be doing, but it, it, uh, there was always this other path to do uh, an academic career if mm -hmm. I could manage one. So um, that's, I mean, it's valuable experience. It allows me to interact with and talk with attorneys and understand what they're doing and help them help our students as well. And we have a lot of great uh, alums at the College of Staten Island who are practicing law who are, you know, always willing to lend a hand, talk to a student, donate money, you know, whatever they can do to help out, host an internship, those kinds of things. Great, great. And as far as um, here at CSI and the, the Legal Studies Institute that, that you're uh, chairperson for, you know, pre-law pre advisement, um, w was that something that was already established prior to you coming on, or was that something that you helped build and create here? Uh, yes and no. Uh, uh, there, there was a faculty member in political science named Dan Kramer. Oh, okay, yeah. And Dan, you know, Dan worked here for decades. He was wonderful. He had a law degree, so he did. He did this. What he did, what I'm doing on a, on an informal basis. But okay. no, there was no designated pre-law mm -hmm. advisor and operation and pr set of programming. So I, I do all the pre-law advising for anyone at the college, or anyone who's graduated from the college, mm -hmm. uh, wall to wall. So I might I might see engineering students or business students to talk with them about whether law school is right for them. And if they think it is how we, how we get there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, he did some informally. I, when I arrived, I started doing it uh, officially, but it wasn't until 2014 that we decided to uh, provide a, a systematic approach that would involve structured co-curricular activities um, such as 
workshops on the law school admissions test, which is a hurdle that students have to overcome. It trips up a number of our students. Hmm. Um, the law school admissions process and how admissions officers think about applications, possible career paths in the law, because, you know, it's one set of tools, one skill set, one way of thinking, uh, but it's 50 or 60 different sort of professional paths that one can pursue within law. To, to be a tax attorney is very different than being a prosecutor. So uh, I bring in lawyers to talk about their own career path. So students can have some access to that. Now, you know, COVID, it, you know, was a real blow yeah, <laughs> to sure, all of this. Sure. We had this chugging along, but we are putting the pieces back together. Um, and we've had, we've had a couple of very good years with law school placements and fundraising. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic and you know, it's it's in difficult times. You just have to think. Let's. I'm going to get up tomorrow, and I'm going to try to make a positive impact. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people at CSI do that. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's challenging, but it's also exciting. Sure, sure. And I know you mentioned this uh, before when you you talked about transitioning to more of an academic career. You know, making the transition from practicing law to being in front of the classroom and then establishing this this program at CSI or helping it mature certainly takes a lot of passion and a different sort of focus. Was that something that was always in the back of your mind, getting in front of a classroom and and working one on one with students? Well, I, I tell you, Dave, honestly, it's I've always been very student focused and, and I, I assisted in many classes while I was a graduate student. Some 10. I was a TA in like 10, 10 different classes mm. um, and I've been teaching full time since 1995. So I have a lot of experience okay. in front of class. I enjoy it. Uh, we're doing a big jumbo class in the fall with 150 students in the room. It's called Law and Society in the United States. Uh, I enjoyed that. I've always been very student focused. Um, the research and writing aspects of what we do, and those are very important. Um, uh, I, I've tended to do, I've published, but not as much or as or, uh, as quickly as I would have if I were focused on that. I've primarily been focused on helping young people figure out who they are and who they want to become, honestly. So that's what, that's what uh, I get the most enjoyment out of. And, um, you know, I do have a book project, another book project pending with a book contract from a good publisher. You know, that's that's something I do after I do the student work. And and again, COVID (laughs) COVID was just uh, quite, quite something for all of us at CSI. I think we got hit harder at CSI than a lot of other places, Um, you know, given how. how uh, lacking in basic resources and opportunities our students typically are, right? Mm. That's what we're trying to remedy. Right, right. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, how exactly does a student go from being, you know, perhaps a first-year student who maybe even hasn't decided on a major yet to then becoming a part of the Legal Studies Institute and a pre-law candidate? In other words, what are the steps that students have to take to, to enter the program? Well, you're not admitted to the program. The program is um, uh, a set of opportunities okay. that any CSI student can avail themselves of. We have a minor, there's a minor program of, of uh, study in legal studies. Okay. So that provides some access to courses with legal content. Um, and there's a range of courses in American government, criminal law, constitutional law, civil liberties, and um, philosophy, jurisprudence. Uh, Mark White in, in philosophy helps with the with the curriculum. Um, 
so that anyone can can take advantage of that. Uh, you don't need a particular major for law school. The mm -hmm. law schools don't really care. They're going to teach you the law. You can be mm -hmm. uh, a physics. They like physics majors, in fact. Mm. Uh, but you really should have some rigorous reading and writing. Uh, you know, I find the majors that do the best from CSI in the law school competition to get into good law schools and get uh, grants, sometimes full scholarships, are often English majors. Mm. Like they're yeah. they're learning how to read and write seriously. And we, we do fine. I don't want to uh, disrespect my own department, political science, but... Um, <laughs> The English majors do wonderfully, and, and so you could be any major. You just have to incorporate some serious reading and writing, history, philosophy, political science, sociology, English, any of these. And we, I, we do recommend that the students dabble a little bit, test the waters a little bit by taking some courses, a course like constitutional law or something like that. And uh, then I, I do advising. So I will I will talk with students over the course of three or four years. I might meet with them yeah. six times. Uh, and when they're ready, we work very closely. So once a student decides they're applying to law school, um, it's a joint effort. I, I work very closely with them to, on the pieces of the application process and how to manage that process. Mm. Uh, and we don't send a tremendous number of students to law school every year, but, but the ones who go do very well. As you know, we had uh, a year ago, five students get full tuition scholarships yeah. to New York law school. That's, you know, it's, 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 and it's a good law school because of its location in lower Manhattan. It really is a great opportunity to get for, to get a law degree for free is quite something. Yeah. That's, that's tremendous. And yeah, uh, you know, I, I was going to, to talk about, you know, how, how those avenues are made easier by, by utilizing your services and your, your knowledge of it. And, you know, as the pre-law advisor, you, you do meet one-on-one -on -one with students, like you just said, and seek to guide them on their futures. And I would guess transition them seamlessly into law school. Is, is that, is that the ultimate goal of your, of, of your program you would think is helping them make that transition and, and having them know what to expect while they're there? Yeah, I'd say that's the most yeah. important goal. We also sponsor uh, events in that involve intellectual inquiry mm. uh, in legal studies. So um, maybe people aren't familiar, but they might be more familiar if a student goes to college and majors in religious studies. They're not in Catholicism. They're studying Catholicism. Right? I mean, they're studying religion from the outside. So legal studies is interdisciplinary uh, studies of law and law's relationship to society, culture, politics, morals. So we we do enrich the intellectual environment as well. I have succeeded in talking a few students out of going to law school because it's just not right for them. And um, students don't necessarily know what's entailed. So my mission is to give them the information they need to make a decision, but there's a mystique around law. Like if a student comes to me and says, hey, I wanna be a doctor, I, I can be pretty comfortable. They have a sense of what that is, how hard it is and what's involved in it and what they need to do. Uh, however hard it may be, it's not mysterious. I think law is a little bit mysterious. <laughs> so, you know, the more we can get people into legal settings to watch what lawyers do, to talk to lawyers, to have a realistic sense to understand that many practicing lawyers are not satisfied with their career choices. Mm. They have some regrets. Many love it, wouldn't do anything else. See, this is it. How do we make this decision? Mm. And that's the first question. Is this right? For, you can do this. Is this right for you? 
Mm-hmm. And um, once you decide it is, then it's a how-to uh, project, right? Well, then you have to do this and you have to do that. And here's how you keep this option open. And, um, you know, I just recently we are starting to reach the point where we have resources to provide a significant subsidy to students mm-hmm. for things like LSAT preparation or application okay. fees. Um, that's been a main goal of mine because... Um, People want to always talk about what our students lack, but they usually forget to add the main thing our students lack, which is money. Mm-hmm. Um, our students are working class and poor, and they work at jobs for pay. They raise children. Uh, they try to get an education. So um, and you have to recognize how difficult it is and how passionate they are that when they succeed, it's just such an amazing thing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's my, so there's a lot of goals. There's a, sort of the intellectual environment at the college allowing people to, you know, feel like they are in charge of their lives. They're the right. composers of their, they need materials to compose, but they are the composers of their lives mm-hmm. and we provide the resources. Uh, I don't have an investment. I mean, I'm very happy when students choose to go to law school and they mm-hmm. succeed and they become lawyers and they're very happy. That's wonderful. But I don't have a big investment in um, pushing students to pursue a career path that, um, you know, I, I pursued and changed my mind myself. Right. So, um, uh, it's, it's more like how to, how to, uh, get them positioned to make a good choice. Yeah, no, it's, that's, that's great. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's very well said and, and it's, you know, I can, I can really appreciate that. That's, that's something that, that I really, um, you know that that really that really hits you know because it's it's so nice to offer students that kind of that intersection you know where they you know especially with the events that you have where they get to meet and um you know see certain certain people you know speak on on their careers and also you know they get to meet other um students like them maybe even from other disciplines who are you know who who might be pursuing law and and allows them to make their own their own choice and you're giving them that information. And then you have the other part of it, which is like the, the physical tangible things that they can use like LSAT prep, uh, for Mm -hmm. example, which is something, you know, my, my brother and my brother-in-law are graduates from CSI. That was not something that was available to them when they graduated. They both ironically went on to temple law school and are practicing, but Uh that was something that they certainly could have, could have used. And I know they, they would appreciate, they would have appreciated. And now that is a reality for a lot of students. So that's really great. Yeah, it's it is. It's um, mo- most places, most places now professionalize pre-law advising. They would hire someone whose job it would be to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the advantage of that is it's a dedicated person who's there all the time and it's their job to just pre-law advising. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I do it in addition to doing a lot of other things, but a lot of faculty members help. And the advantage of what we do is it's, it's an integrated approach. We, we, I see the students in the classroom often, right? So a a permanent pre-law advisor who's paid a hundred thousand dollars a year to do that isn't, you know, doesn't, Mm -hmm. isn't integrated in teaching, learning the life of the college in the way we are as Mm -hmm. faculty. So, you know, it's, there's a resource issue. (laughs) That's just something I work on. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm 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 ha- I'm able to do it. Um, um, many of our students, you know, we have approximately eight thousand undergraduates, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pool of people who are qualified for law school is is smaller than that. Sure. So, sure. you know, we can we can serve the demand 
Um, yeah. So it's, yep. it's, um, you know, it's a rewarding part of what I do. I work on it every week. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. And it, 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 wor- it seems to be working uh, in terms of how our students are doing. Uh, our students tend to stay in touch with us. Right. I know I, I have graduates from 2012 or 2014 uh, every year that I'm in touch with that I keep track of. I know where they are. I can call on them to help someone sometimes, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, so, yeah, and, and that was exactly my next my next spinoff question was that I'm assuming it, it, it helped keep your alumni close when they've been given this kind of one-on-one attention and they've been advised to that point. It, you know, it almost akins them to their days at the College of Staten Island, maybe just as much or, or, or more than, than, you know, their, their law school that they might be, you know, tied to. So that personal attention, I would bet, keeps alumni in touch and coming back and, and maybe even utilized as a resource going forward to some of your current students. Yes, that happens a lot. Um, and um, it's, they are they are grateful. Mm-hmm. I think anyone who goes to the College of Staten Island and is successful in what they want to pursue can't help but be grateful for a really great and affordable education. Right. Um, and, and they they give what you know they I don't I try not to bother them every day, but when I need to call on them to do something, and that includes donations. I mean, several of them are practicing corporate law. I have. This hurts me, Dave. I got to say it hurts me. But, you know, I can name 10 CSI grads in the last 10 years who are making four $500,000 a year as corporate lawyers. Mm. And uh, it, it bothers me that that's three times as much as I make. But <laughs> uh, it's a cause for celebration. If that's sure. your chosen path, that's your path. Yeah. And uh, when they are in that position, uh, they tend to be in a position to make some donations to help our work and they're happy to do that often so uh yeah it's 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 the long game really i mean institution building is a long game it requires patience it requires you to try things that aren't going to work out so that you have enough things you're trying that when there are some things that do work out uh so i i'm uh i've always done this work informally and i've only done it as a formal title and with some some compensation since 2014, mm. but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep at it. And, yeah. uh, when it's, when we're ready to hand off the baton, we'll find somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're grateful for that. And, you know, speaking of donations and giving back, Michael, mm-hmm. in, in 2019, the legal studies Institute started a, a wonderful event, a ceremony reception fundraiser to honor a lifetime achievement award winner. Of course, mm-hmm. just like you mentioned before, COVID hit, kind of derailed the ceremony from taking place until just recently when you honored Robert Scamardella. It was a mm-hmm. terrific event, so congratulations, uh, one, on that. Can you tell us a little bit about the the impetus behind the event and, and what kind of prompted it? Yeah, it was just an idea I had because I was speaking with a CSI graduate named Yolanda Rudick. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ms. Rudick had had a – she was a CSI grad – uh, grateful to the political science department in the 1970s for helping her. She went to Rutgers Law, uh, Newark Law School. And I was talking with her, and I just was talking with her about her career, and the idea occurred to me. So her career was a career as a as a prosecutor, but uh, interestingly, she was in charge of what we might call the sex crimes unit in the Staten Island DA's office for many years. So there's a women's uh, rights component. Um 
of what she's doing. She's trying to prevent and if, if it can't be prevented, punish sexual violence. Hmm. Um, and she had a great reputation all around. I discovered I thought, well, why not? I mean, this is uh, an idea that would bring people together. Mm -hmm. We could raise a few dollars and honor a CSI grad who uh, has an exemplary life, honestly. Yeah. So we did that. And Bob Scamardella has a different exem exemplary life. Uh, we weren't able to continue with it every year, but this year we, we reinstated the Lifetime Achievement Ceremony. Um, it is a, a modest fundraiser. But uh, Bob Scamardella graduated from CSI in 1972. Mm. And it was, a, it, he, he said he was really smart and he got into a lot of schools, but he didn't have any money. Mm. So he went to CSI and it might have cost him $400 to get a, a BA in political science back then. Mm -hmm. And he went to Brooklyn Law School. And, um, you know, he was a prosecutor and then he was in private practice, but he's, and he's been very uh, civic minded. Mm -hmm. uh, he's on boards. Um, he's involved in community development projects. He's he's uh, just a community resource. So here's another sort of life we wanted to honor and present to our students and uh, and tell people, you know, uh, this institution's been around. It's it's meant a lot to a lot of people. And, and Scambardella was very eloquent about how important CSI was to him and how he's happy to. Uh, to provide support now in return. So we are establishing a fund, a new fund called the Robert J. Scamardella Fund for Legal Education Opportunity. I think we'll shorten that to the Scamardella Fund. <laughs> um, and it will be specifically to um, help, help students with the cost of uh, applying to law school and getting to law school. So things like a stipend for LSAT prep or application fees or workshops or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to use, we're going to start with about $8,000 and just try to be reasonable about the amount of stipends. But that wouldn't have happened if, if Bob Scamardella wasn't grateful to us and willing to work with us on this. Hmm. Um, so I, I, uh, I don't know that we'll do it every year, but you know, we'll do it more often. Great. Uh, and it was a great event. I mean, you know, we had, uh, we had a hundred people gather a lot of people active in the various Staten Island bar associations came and uh you know it's it's also a community building event because we make we make new connections yeah and we can we can uh, mobilize those connections to help our students yeah for sure for sure and i remember you know noting you know about it when i used to work in athletics that a lot of our fundraisers were were truly friend raisers too of really trying to mm -hmm. get, get people involved with what we're trying to do and get everybody on that same team and you know i know and you know we 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 mentioned how how you know, budgets are always tight and how this is a modest fundraiser. And, and it's so great to see that the Scamardella Fund will also be instituted. But, you know, can you talk about, you know, what the funding that you do raise with some of these fundraisers, um, you know, how it, it really helps the, the Institute moving forward? And, you know, obviously it helps helps students directly with, with, you know, offsetting some of the costs that they incur. But how does it keep the institute, institute itself moving forward? Well, it it just it's um, it allows us to do things for which you need money right. and uh, or if, if I'm going to have three lawyers come in to talk to the students, they might be willing to do that for free. Some actually are. Some won't won't accept anything. But it's very nice gesture if you can give them a few hundred dollars for their right. you know, it's not it's not pay. It's just a gesture. 
uh, when we bring in prominent intellectuals, and I've had uh, NYU, Harvard, Yale law professors come and give, you know, uh, lectures on mm-hmm. campus in the past, you know, these folks get an honorarium. Um, they're usually willing to take much less than they usually get. Um, last year, we had Harvard law professor Randall Kennedy do a Zoom lecture. So more Zoom lectures are much more common now, but um, uh, some of the funds are used for that. Um, and uh, some of the funds are used to um, reimburse students. You know, it's not giving them money, but if they bring a receipt for a $1,000 LSAT prep course, uh, we can refund part of that to them. Hmm. Um, so the money, the money really directly, uh, and we stipulate in the agreements for these funds that this money has to be used to benefit the students. Right. Right. And uh, and it, it it is uniformly. I have to mention a benefactor. I mean, we Dan Kramer's uh, wife, Rashenda Kramer, um, has been incredibly generous since Dan died mm-hmm. uh, in 2012, I believe, in supporting this. So we do have an endowment that generates five to six thousand oh, dollars a wow. year that mostly came from her. So that's a significant, very significant contribution right. to our work. And she's continued to be incredibly generous. Mm. Um, and it, it, that's a wonderful thing, too, you know, because yeah. she was she taught here. Dan was an institution uh, in his own right here. And um, that that's helped us a lot. But um, we do need more. Sure, sure. <laughs> we do need more than we have. As you know, the yep. CUNY budget issues have been pretty, uh, pretty difficult lately. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was actually going to lead to my next question, which, you know, funding obviously helps and and you do have these fundraisers in place. Are there other ways that people can get involved, Michael, either by directly contacting you? Is there a website, um, you know, that we should be aware of? And, you know, how do people kind of reach out and lend a hand if if they want to? Well, sure. There are lots of things. Um, Practicing lawyers can do a lot of things that don't involve giving money, but anybody, you know, and I I can be reached at my work email address. It's simple. It's michael.paris, Paris like the city, at csi.cuny.edu. Um, and anyone can contact me about any of this. Um, I We also have a, a, you can donate through the foundation. So I have a blog site that I use for my activities. And there's a URL for that and a donate button a little bit down on the right on the on the splash page of the blog. Um, and it, you know, it's a long URL. I don't, I don't know if it makes any sense to just state it here. Yeah. But, well, I, I think uh, what we could do, Michael, is we could include that in the, in the description to the podcast. So if folks are listening, great. if they I'll want to, to click on that link, we'll shorten it up with a, with a web shortener. And yeah, certainly we can. So great. I will, I will, um, I'll send my contact information and in the URL um, for the, it's, Legal Studies Institute um, blog. Great. Um, the blog allows me to have students sign up for it, and then when I post something, like a notice of something that might mm-hmm. be useful to them, they'll get it in their email inbox. So, um, but I will. I'll send you some information to put on on with this. Um, and uh, you know, yes, yes, great questions. I really appreciate the opportunity to no, let people yeah. know about this. 
Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us a little bit more about, you know, the Legal Studies Institute and, and your role as, as, as chairperson of that institute and as the pre-law advisor. I want to thank you for everything that you're doing on campus, Michael. Really appreciate uh, all the efforts that you're making to really guide our students and, and churn out the success stories that we're always happy to cover here at ZSI today as well. So thank you very much for everything that you're doing. Okay. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate it. Once again, that was Michael Paris, professor at the College of Staten Island, chairperson of the Legal Studies Institute and pre-law advisor to so many great students at the College of Staten Island, many of whom will graduate in just a few short days as we look forward to commencement here at CSI. We do hope that you could support the Legal Studies Institute um, with their fundraiser and, of course, support the great work that Michael and his colleagues are doing in the Legal Studies Institute. So that will do it for us here. Episode 31 of Season 2 here on CSI Today Talks. Next week, Terry Mayers, co-host, returns with another great guest. This time he will have Vinny Massacole will join us. Vinny is a student at the College of Staten Island. He works at The Banner. He works at WSIA. And he's also interning with our office as well. Uh, he will share his success story at the College of Staten Island and everything going on with student media. So uh, we're really delighted to have a conversation with him. That's next week with co-host Terry Mayers. We'll hope that you'll tune in. Remember to please subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe to our website at csitoday.com for the latest news on all things College of Staten Island. I'm your co-host, David Pizzuto, wishing you a great rest of the week. Please join us next time on CSI Today Talks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the CSI Today Talks podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get alerted for brand new episodes and to listen on demand to your favorites. Be sure to check us out at www.csitoday.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.